Today I want to talk about the communion of saints at the table of the Lord. And when you came in today, uh, uh, our usher uh, couple, uh, Tim and Roberta, gave you one of these, and we're going to uh, all uh, participate. If you're watching live, uh, this would be a great time if you have juice or wine or whatever you, you use uh, to possibly grab that now and cracker, bread, whatever, and, and be ready to join us uh, at the end. As we keep rolling out this series from Ephesians, it's my prayer that you and I would be energized and enriched with new understanding of, of, of what it means to be in Christ and be blessed and be saved. And not only that, what it also means to be related to one another in Christ, because uh, the church is bigger than me and it's bigger than you and it's bigger than this church building. It's bigger than this church family. It's all over the world. And, uh, and, and so we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit keeps opening our eyes to that. Maybe you're here today and you're watching and you're listening and you need a new start. We pray that today will be a new start for you in your faith and that all of us would continue to have our spiritual eyes. If, if the mercy of God has opened our eyes, that our eyes would stay open and get even uh, more uh, focused in. And if you have yet to see what others have come to see, that God is so good and that Jesus Christ is King and Lord and can touch you and save you and change your life. No matter who you are or where you're at and what has happened or hasn't happened or what is happening, God can do an amazing thing in your life. Would you join me in prayer? Because we can't do anything without him, right? Would you join me in prayer, church, all watching and here right now? Let's get silent before the Lord. May we see with the eyes of our heart, Lord, through the breaking of the bread of your word and the emblems this day, you promised that the sweet Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, would help our hearts to realize. I pray for a new burn in those who believe through our only teacher, the Holy Spirit who opens the scriptures to us. I don't claim any ability I don't claim any righteousness. I don't claim anything to boast in. I'm, I am no better than anyone else except the grace of God in my life. I want to be an open vessel today. You might use me so the Holy Spirit can lead us and feed us for those who are here and near and for those who are here but feel far away. Your nail-scarred hands are reaching across the table today into all of our lives so that we can grow in grace. And even if we're struggling, and struggling hard, that we'd realize we're all loved. And the arm of the Lord reaches out still. And we say this morning, Lord, we love you back. We'll never match your love for us, but we love you back. And so here we are, like that Roman soldier said to Simon Peter the morning that he invited him, to step over the threshold into a world that was going to open up to Simon and the 12 that blew their minds. When Cornelius the centurion said, now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given. Father, we hallow your name. May your kingdom come and will be done on earth from heavenly places. Give us this day our daily bread. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever in Jesus' name and only in his name. Amen, church. Amen. Turned 60 this past week, and I had to buy me a new Bible. I still have my Excalibur. I love him. He's always by my side, but not today. But I had to get a new one. The reason I had to get a new one was because my eyesight's gotten bad over the years, and giant print isn't enough for me. I used to think it would be really nerdy to carry a big Bible around, but you know what? I had to order a new American, a new New American Standard Bible, and this is not giant print, it's super giant print. <laughs> so I'm gonna be using that. And, and, and put in a plug in for the Bible. I, I ask you, uh, I would like if you would please to bring your Bible with you next week and start to bring your Bible on a regular basis. We'll still have the verses on the screen to help, but I think it's so important that we have this book in our hands, but more importantly than in our hands, in our heart like never before. And, and my commitment to you, only by the grace of God, is that God will help me to rightly divide 
the word of God. Rightly divide the word of God for you and feed you, not just parts of the Bible, but eventually the whole counsel of God. As you know, I'm, I try to preach the whole counsel of God in every sermon. <laughs> and my sermons are usually books each week and I, God help me. I, I've never been, never been able to figure that out. I always go, get, always go knowing that most people's attention spans long gone after 20 minutes and I still am pushing away at 50. And uh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, by the grace of God, I am who I am. I hope he changes my life someday. Anyway, I've chosen a passage this morning and I want to read it. Uh, I just want to read it out of this book. And it's uh, in the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, because this is a book of books. Ephesians, which we're in. And this is chapter two, starting in verse 11. I want to read it. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. We're, I don't want to go to the passages yet, please. I want you to stay. I want you to go off that. I just want people to listen for now because uh, we're going to break that down in a moment. We just want to stay right there. This is the word of the Lord from Paul, verse 11. He says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember, that's what we're going to do today. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, You who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Everybody say the cross. Through the cross. By it, having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. There's one of those metaphors. And in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Mm, 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 mm. The communion of saints at the table of the Lord. Some call it communion. Some call it the Lord's table. I want us to call it something beautiful and powerful and realize it's something we don't do often enough. We're going to change that. I chose this passage that I read to you this morning to lead us toward the table of the Lord. We have been talking about the blessings of the Lord that are ours in ours in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And I've challenged you to go out and bless people with the everys, every spiritual blessing in Christ. These blessings in Christ has made us rich, not in money. Not in money, but with the riches that money could never buy. How many of you are so thankful for the things that money never gave you? Never could give you. Never could give you. It says we are holy and blameless, positionally in Christ. That we are adopted as his sons and his daughters according to his good pleasure. That we've been set free from sin's guilt, from sin's poison, and from sin's power, and sin's punishment. Is that good news? Past, present, and future. Not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but as a gift of his mercy and his grace. So none of us can boast about it. None of us can claim we're in it because we earned it. We didn't, we don't, and we won't. No one can boast. 
We've been given eternally valuable things, things that can never rust, things that money and status could never attain for us. Our good looks couldn't do it. I mean, if it would be good looks, we'd all be in, right? We'd all be in. And you never know. You can, you can always think you're high on the, on the horse in your looks, you're right? I bought me a nice sun hat to wear to the Steeler game last week. And all the compliments about my, well, actually, there weren't any, but all the comments about my hat were kind of discouraging. <laughs> you don't have to make me humble, friend. I mean, God does a real good job of that with me. <laughs> We've been given a destiny. God has arranged our lives and is arranging our lives so that we bring glory to his name. That's one of the everys. We have been given an engagement ring. The Greek term is araban. It it, it, it's, it's a betrothal ring. And the betrothal ring we've been sealed with the pledge. The Holy Spirit is a betrothal engagement ring living on the inside of us, which is a promise, a promise of his presence now and a promise of his presence forever, and something that magnifies that promise comes simply down to saying this, he is coming back for us. Didn't get enough amens on that. He is coming back for us, family of God. He's coming back to get us. Jesus is literally, visibly, powerfully going to come back and get his bride. Thank you, God. Maranatha, even so. Come, Lord Jesus. That's my appetizer. That's my warm-up. Here's my message. Jesus told the disciples on the night in which he was betrayed and he broke bread, he said, do this as often as you do this in remembrance of me. So coming to the Lord's table, the communion of saints is about remembering. It's about our memory. It's about remembering and it's about realizing. And we're going to go to... The second chapter of Ephesians that I read in your hearing, and we're now we're going to look with our eyes, and we're going to look and see what remembering means. Paul does this for us, and uh, he starts out by telling us to remember this, to remember that you and I at one time were separated from God as sinners, and also, and, and this doesn't necessarily apply to us as much as it did in the first century. I want to try quickly to, to kind of give you an, a bird's eye view of what that means contextually for them. And, and it's still, it still can mean that for us in a different way. And I'll explain that too. I'll try. But not only were we truly separated as sinners from God and all that that meant in, in life then and all that that will mean for eternity if God doesn't intercept us. But culturally, for those who weren't Jewish, even though they believed in Jesus, many times they were separated by the so-called, they called themselves saints or holy. Uh, he's describing them as the circumcision. And if you were a, a non-Jew and you came to Jesus and you came into the early first century church, around all of the Roman Empire, there was a big problem uh, that many Jewish believers had with non-Jews who came in who did not have what they had, and therefore they weren't sure whether or not they were really Christian. This book that I have is a book that contains the Jewish scriptures, 39 books that go from Genesis to, Mal or to, to Malachi. And then there's this part, 27 books that the Jewish world would say is not the Bible. This is the Bible according to the Jewish world, uh, the, the, the Bible that God gave uh, from, from Adam and Eve to Moses to Abraham and David all the way to the last prophet Malachi. This, they would not say, was the Bible. Now, we say that this book contains two testaments of the Bible, let me just try to tell you where, where I'm going with this, this thought of people who were Christians being separated by so-called saints over an issue that we're going to look at called circumcision. After Noah and his three sons and their wives and Mrs. Noah came off the ark, 
you, you began in Genesis 10 to begin to see a trek that this entire story covers uh, from one man who came from the descendant of Shem, one of Noah's three sons, named Abram. Abram, by the time that God calls him, is not living in Israel. He's living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which is modern day Iraq. So he wasn't in the quote, promised land that we know of. He wasn't in Israel as we know of. The, la the land and the entire earth basically had become worshipers of idols. And Abram had a, a history, root history of the God of his fathers, uh, Noah and on back to Adam. And God spoke to Abram and said, listen, I'm going to pick you. And if you will believe me, I will bless you. I'll make you great. I'll make your name great. And I'll make a nation out of you. And out of your nation, out of a descendant that comes from you, all the nations of the world will be blessed through that descendant. Make a, a big story small just to keep going. And I'm very simplifying this, but you got to get this. Abram believed that, and God, for believing his word, credited that as, you are right with me. He had no rules, he had no principles, he didn't, have, we don't know how he was as a moral man or anything. All we know, all we know, all we know is that he trusted God's word, and for trusting God's word, which many started moving on it, God called him righteous, in his eyes. And that's the only eyes that will ever need to be righteous in. His. Stay with me. For a sign that he was already right, God said, this is going to be a distinguishing sign of all of your men in your tribe. And it will be a sign of circumcision. And I don't know if Abraham, come back again, Lord. I'm glad I was little when that happened to me. I have no memory, thank the living God for that. Uh, yep, yeah, I would it'd be tough right now. Anyway, so that was a sign that they were in this distinctive group of people in the midst of a world that worshiped idols, okay? And so this book is the unfolding of that. 400 years later, a man named Moses, who was from that descendancy, from another tribe, was called by the same God to lead Abraham's sons and daughters out of bondage in Egypt, right? We know that story, right? And after they come out of Egypt by God's power, God meets them in the wilderness and he appears to them and he says, I got you out of that. Therefore, I own you. I claimed you. I redeemed you. I saved your firstborn and all your people. I want you to walk with me. I'm going to make you a holy nation. In other words, I'm going to select you. I'm going to keep that promise to Abraham. I'm going to select you, right? And all of their sons were circumcised. They were keeping that covenant, but they weren't righteous because of that. It was an outward sign of an inward trust that they had in the God of Abraham and they walked in his word, right? When they didn't walk in his word, was God impressed with their circumcision? When they didn't follow his voice, was God impressed with their blood sacrifices or their feasts or their doing all the right things that the Bible said they were supposed to do? Wrong. Because there's, you can't separate your heart and your trust with God with acts, even acts that God has said are what he wants. That's why water baptism can't save you. That's why church attendance can't save you. Stay with me. Right? So... They come out into the wilderness and God calls Moses up onto a mountain and he gives them the Ten Commandments from God, right? And then by the time all that's done and, 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 and millennium go by, there are added to the ten the things that God told them to do and be as a nation. Not as all the nations, but them. He blocked them out and said, this is your yard. I want these laws and these requirements to be on you to show the world, dietary, health-wise, all these things, to show them uh, what, it, what it would be like, because I'm smarter than the rest of the world, but I, I've chosen you. Not because you're something, because I'm something, and I've been merciful to you, and I want you to be a witness to that. They didn't do that, did they? they did, some of them did it, but they didn't do that as a, as a collective people. Are you, are you tracking with me? You listen? I know you are. You're smarter than I am. But anyway, so out of all 613 commandments by the time Jesus is here 
on earth. Now, Jesus came along, right? Out of the pages of this, this is the Bible in their eyes. Out of the pages, he came from this. They didn't know that. Some of the prophets pointed to this one that was coming, this one that would be Abraham's son and would make the whole world right and touch all the nations, all that. He was the descendant. And when he comes along, his, his word sounded strange to those who thought they had this word down. But he wrote this. And he gave them the true heart meaning of this. So when he comes along showing them the heart of this, and God from this told them through the prophets, I'm going to do a covenant that isn't, isn't going to be like the Egyptian covenant. It's not going to be like it. Forget the former things. I'm going to do something new. And then he describes this one coming. That's just, so when this one comes, he says, you have heard it say, but I say to you, that's enough right there to be what? Who does he think he Aren't we supposed to not rub our corn grain in our hands on the Sabbath day? What are you doing? You're speaking against Moses and the law, right? They didn't like that, did they? He was the God that led Moses through the wilderness, right? I said all that to say that by the time that the apostles began to go out, and this is the story of that unfolding, okay? They went into parts of the world that, that had synagogues, Jewish synagogues, and they preached in the synagogues. The Jesus that they walked with and saw rise from the dead was in here. And this was the only Bible they had. And they went in, they said, turn to Isaiah 53. We know him. Turn to Isaiah 61. We saw this guy do that. And all, all, all the way through. And he said there would be a sign like Jonah who was in the belly of the fish tree. We saw that. And you know what happened in Athens? You know what happened in Thessalonica? You know what happened? They went, we believe that. And they didn't have John three sixteen. They believed it because the Holy Spirit was on that preaching, on that word. And they believed it. And you know what? For belief, they got the same righteousness, actually better, than Abram. Look at your name and say, he's not even in the text that he's talked about yet. If you're ADD, I know it's bothering you like it's bothering me. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. But you know what? This stuff needs to be told. Okay? There's so many things I'd like to tell you, but I don't have time. It's like the Hebrew writer. I'd love to tell you more about Mechizedek, but time, time fails me. Um, so. so here's the deal. These people, they were worshiping trees. They were worshiping Hercules and they were going to temple prostitutes and it was all right. And Paul comes along and, 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 and he didn't get up and say, the Bible says, he just told them the stories of Jesus and so did Peter and so did James and so did that. Now to the Jewish mind, they took him into the context to prove from the scriptures, this is the guy. I don't say that disrespectfully, Lord, I'm just rolling, I'm sorry. This is the, this is the one. And they went, most of them said, no, I don't believe that. And some did, right? So a remnant out of that carpet, out of that yard, a remnant came along with what God was doing now. Others thought they believed that, went along, but they brought this along and said, wait a second, we're not supposed to mix uh, fabrics. We're, guys are supposed to not cut the sides, because Moses, right? Because that's the Bible. no. That was the Bible, but that was the yard that God had Israel in to do two things. To lead them under a custodial watch to get them to a place so that Messiah could come forth from the loins of Israel. And once Messiah came, he was the end of that school. He was the end of that system. Ended it. That doesn't mean that God said, okay, 10 commandments. You know how I said, no God but me? Now you can have 50 gods and be saved anyway. You know, Sabbath, nah, you don't have to worry about that. Just, just run reckless through, don't, don't rest, don't trust, don't, you just work your head off. He didn't, we're not under the law. He didn't say, you know how I said, don't commit adultery? It's all right now, you're in Jesus. He didn't do that. So it's not like he's like changed the whole, because the law is holy, righteous, and good. It came from God, it came from his fingers. But the law was a schoolmaster to show us that the devil was lying. 
He said, Eve, if you eat off this tree, you will know the difference between good and evil and you'll be like God. And so God picked Abraham, gave him righteousness for trust and said, eventually I'm gonna put you all in school and I'm gonna show you my heart and I'm gonna show you even though you know it, you're not like it. Paul figured that out in Romans 7. I love God's law with my heart. But I see this other person, anybody listening to me? I see this other person in me that's fighting against what I love. Does that sound like your life sometimes, sometimes? Me too, me too. And the more you know, the more depressed you can be. Sometimes if you're gonna sin, it'd be better to be dumb and happy because the end of it's gonna be really bad unless you wanna be really where God wants you to be now and where he wants you to be later. So the Jews who came into Christ tried to make Gentiles, Jews again, to be really good Christians. And the way they identified men, whether they were really right with Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the cross, yeah, 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 yeah. But here's what we wanna know. Uh, do you have your circumcision card? And I always think that's kind of funny because imagine going into, into wherever they met and let's say that the, the predominant group in that church was Jew, Jewish heavy on the circumcision part and you forgot your card. How do you prove it? <laughs> I know that, no, 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 seriously, seriously. I'm being serious. How do you prove it, guys? They're gonna take your word for it? Did they have a back room? I'm not being facetious. I'm telling you, this is why Paul and Philippians said, you know what I wish they'd do? I wish they'd cut the whole, th anyway. He did say that. He did say that. The Bible's got some funny parts in it if you just read it. This is not my circumcision card. This is, <laughs> this is my vaccination card. And one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I'll tell you why I got this is because I knew the James Bond movie was coming out in October and I was afraid they were gonna say, you can't come watch a James Bond movie. <laughs> so that's about as patriotic as I am. So anyway, the point is this. I said all that, I said all that to say that in that church that Paul was, that Jesus was building through Paul and the apostles, there were people who got saved, got gloriously saved, got joy-filled because they knew they were forgiven and all that. And then somebody came along with a Bible verse out of context and said, yeah, but you. And those kind of people paraded around like they were super spiritual Christians. And when Paul would leave, a lot of those churches would get under a bondage about diet, Sabbath, about circumcision and about Bible verses from Leviticus out of context. And it, and it, and it, and it, he said, who cut in on your, on your race? Who knocked you out of bounds? Right? So that's why I said all that. That's still going on today. Not so much about the circumcision thing, but there are a whole lot of other things. Right? And we're going to talk about those now that I've preached 29 minutes and haven't even gotten. Although that was pretty good. If I quit right now, you at least have something, wouldn't you? <laughs> and I'll tell you something, and not to brag, but some, what I just said, some people have never heard in their whole life and have been in church their whole life. And that breaks my heart. Because we live in a culture today that needs massive doses of this. Massive. Someday's gonna probably be where people are gonna beg me to preach every night. We're not there yet. Everybody go, oh my God, what's he doing? Let's just go back to this right now. Push that away. Remember, we're coming to the Lord's table. He's talking to the Ephesians. He would have said the same thing to the Galatians. Remember when you were really separated as a sinner? And remember how even now you're fighting against some of those, not fighting, but there are the so-called super saints that have, the, let me see your card, right? Look what he says. Now, 
Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, now you know what that means, who are called uncircumcision. You're Christians, but they're still in the church saying, yeah, but I know they worship and I know they got baptized, but they don't have one of these. Oh, by the way, I've got one of these. I've, I mean, all glory to God, but just saying, I got one of these. You hear me? Have you ever felt like someone maybe intentionally or unintentionally put you when you're in a group and they just kind of do that thing like, your prayer life's cute, but listen to mine. I still use thee and thou. You with me? Next slide. Remember, here's what we need to remember. Remember that you were at that time, think of this, Lord, drill this home for us, please, separate from Christ. So when we come to the table of the Lord, it's, and the reason why we should do it more often, it's not because if we don't, God doesn't like us more. You know why we need to do it more often? It's because our forgetter still works really good. Does your forgetter work? Man, someone asked me, they said, hey, I still want to get with you. I pointed at Tim Skiles. I said, see that man right there? He's my calendar. Because here's what I do. I might put it in my calendar, but put it on the wrong day. I've done that before many times. I got ready to do a wedding one Saturday morning and realized right when I had my suit on that it was the following Saturday. And my notification thing went off to remind me. I put it in wrong. Go to Tim Skiles. And that's not a promise that you get with me within the next 48 hours. But that's the way. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Man, when I think about my time separate from Christ, I was separate from Christ and grew up in a church. I was separate from Christ and could have led a sinner to Christ knowing enough of the gospel. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, and here's the two things, having no hope. There's people in the world, they say, oh, I got some hope. I hope the Steelers win today. I hope the Ravens lose today. I hope, I hope the, you know, I hope this, I hope that. And, and you know, I got high hopes. Me and uh, the Disney character, whoever sang it, I got high hopes. High ho and high hopes. And, and somewhere along the line, sometimes those hopes come true. And it's like, hey, isn't it great when your hopes come true? But that's not the hope they're talking about here. This is the hope of eternal acceptance before God. This is the hope that's really the hope. This is the hope that can't be taken from you when you're dying in the last hours of your life in a hospital bed if you're a believer. As hard as that is, there's a hope beyond the grave for you. Everybody's gonna go beyond the grave, but the hope here is that you're gonna be with Jesus. Without, and then this one, without God in the world. You know, there are people today that don't, they're not bothered that they're, not, that they're without God in the world. You know why? Because their heart's dead. And one of the reasons why it's so important to preach this book and why it's so important to preach all this book, even the parts that will psychologically trouble a generation of people that can't hardly stand to hear anything that isn't comforting and numbing. And they're in the church and they stand right here. They stand right here. And we need to present the gospel and the word of God in such a way that people who think they have high hopes and they're living without God in the world will get deeply uncomfortable with the reality of that and not reach for a fake good news that tells them, honey, you're all right, you're cool, you're good looking, you got a lot of things going for you, don't be troubled by that. You hear me? The reason why we are supposed to come back to this is because we need to remember 
that we needed, desperately needed to hear something we weren't listening to, we weren't looking for, we weren't aware of. Remember it. People right, in your, right now in your school are without hope and without God in the world and they're separate from Christ. People right now on my street, in my town, in my family, in my neighborhood and in this nation, have you noticed how lost this nation is? Have you noticed how lost the world is? One of the things that I, that really established one of the, when I really felt knowing that God had guided me in my calling to preach the gospel was seeing a picture of a girl standing on a street corner in London back in the eighties. And on the back of her blue jean jacket, she said, it said, it said, London, there is no hope. And I thought that's an 18 year old kid that's already come to that idea. There is no hope. There is no hope. Do you know the suicide rate, God, is off the charts right now? Off the charts? There's hope. Remember what it was like to not have it. So we have empathy for those who are walking around without it and without Christ. See, the thing is, when I fail, God, I know where to go. When I'm lost in my mind, even though I'm found in my position, I know who to turn to. I'm so glad that even though I didn't walk with Jesus, I grew up in a church that had a Tyler and people like that that taught me the scriptures so that when he turned the light on, I went home and found my Bible that I was given when I was eight years old and never read it. And at 17 and a half, I devoured it. I read the New Testament in a week and read the whole Bible in a month. That, that wasn't because I was more righteous. That was because I realized for 17 years I had ripped off myself from living with this glorious, majestic king who died on a cross and shed his blood for me and I had heard it my whole life and didn't matter to me. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because I was demonized in my mind by the one who presses deeply on this world. That doesn't matter. And God in his mercy This kid at 17 years old in his pastor's house led the pastor's son to drink Jack Daniels with him. Me, me. And within months, I was testifying in a Sunday night service about the power and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is completely undeserved. I didn't just try to become a Christian. He called my name out of the tombs of hell when I wasn't interested and sat down on me and ruined me in a good way for the rest of my life. God love you, sweetie pie. God love you. She just clapped. God love her heart. All right. You're still here, so I'm going to keep going. Realize, remember and realize, realize. But now, come on, man. Oh, Lord. But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were what? Far off. You know you can be far off sitting in a church? Do you know that some people have a testimony that they got out of the choir loft when the altar call was given? with choir robes on and went down to receive Jesus Christ? So that means if we had a choir, I'd be pirouetting and going, you, sir, no. (laughs) But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, what have been brought near by the what? By this? By what translation you believe in? Carrie? By what church? Listen, I know it's almost, God, I hate to even say it, but is, is the blood of Christ a cliche? Is it some religious phrase? It wouldn't be if it was your son. It wouldn't be if it was your father. These Afghanistan American troop boys that didn't get to come home because they were in that explosion, 
You know, oh, the blood of their son, right? We've been brought near. My son, Devin, when we went to see The Passion of the Christ, I don't, I thought middle school, we came home and you know how that movie was, right? And I uh, went into Dev's room to say goodnight. He was sitting on the floor. I hope he doesn't mind me telling this. It's, I'm too late now. I'm out of Dave, Dev. Uh, and he was sitting on the floor crying. I said, buddy, what's going on? He goes, and this, this is a PK. You know, a P, you know, pastor's kid. You know, they're born saved, right? Um, he was crying. He said, dad, he did it for me. He did it for me. did it for me. We're not far away from him. You know the only thing in a Christian's life that's far away from them is their sins. Listen, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Well, the only thing that's far away from us as believers is our sins. As far as the east, every time I would get on a plane to fly to California to see my, my daughter, I would, I'd have that scripture as a mental picture. As far as, and it's farther, there's no ending to go in, in, a, in that direction. But I would land in Cali and I would just think, wow, that's a five, at least a five hour distance from my sins and me and Jesus. As far as the east is from the west. Now the devil says, you, 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 holy and blameless, Pluh. redeemed by the blood. Oh yeah, hey, hey, Mr. Redeemed by the blood. How about Thursday night? Were you redeemed by the blood Thursday night? Hey, Mr. Praise and Worship on Sunday. You didn't make it to Wednesday without getting ugly with your wife. Hey, Mr. Redeemed by the blood. Have you ever heard that singer? Have you ever heard him? He, you know, he's a great ventriloquist because he never shows up and says, memo from the devil. He says, Tim, or, or I think it's me. Do you ever think it's, hey, not everything that goes through your head is you. Devil says, you, you, you. You're getting ready to worship. <laughs> you worship? Growth track, hey, growth track champion. Hey, mister, I know my spiritual gift. Come up here and show everybody your spiritual gift. Yeah. Have you ever heard him? You know, one of the metaphors is army. We have to fight him. And you know what else he'll always say? If he's not saying you, he'll say them. They. So many times people come to me and said, you know what they are saying? You know what they just told me, you know what I say? Let's go find they. And all of a sudden, they disappear. Let's go talk to they. You know who they are? They're cowards. A lot of talk. They. The so-called self-righteous They. Bible says Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Doesn't tell us anything about Noah, but he was a righteous man in his days. Doesn't, it doesn't say he read the King James. It doesn't say he didn't read the King James. It doesn't say how he lived, what his diet was, or nothing like that. None of that even came in. But in God's eyes, he was righteous. So if God says all bald guys are righteous, tough, then you're righteous because when you're God, you get to do whatever you want. Righteous means whatever God says it means. And you know what it means? It means you trust him and your life shows it because you act on what his word says, not perfectly, but you're always leaning in the direction of go. Anyone listening to me? For that, God calls you righteous. So Noah and his sons and his daughters-in-law and his wife, they were in a place called the ark. Do we know anything about their prayer life? Do we know anything about their level of maturity? What saved Noah, his wife, sons, daughters, giraffes, possums, raccoons, 
dogs, and I guess cats. No, I mean, cat. <laughs> that's a coffee joke from this morning. I'm like, I love cats. But Lord, you know I don't love cats. I'm sorry for lying in front of the church. <laughs> but, I, but I know you love cats, so you're God. I've had cats attack me. That's another sermon, sorry. Uh, cats are assassins. I don't know what it is. Are you guys bored yet? You're still here. I'm going to keep going. Sorry. Almost done. This will be my reminder. ADD, here you go, right there. The only thing that saved Noah and his wife and kids and the giraffes and the lions and the turkeys and whoever else, whatever kind of animal was on there, I wish the flies would have drowned, was the location. Is that right? The location. What saves you? You know, if God can do what he wants, God could, God could write in every county and every city, he could write in the clouds and, saying, and say, 48 hours from now, I'm gonna destroy the whole world. But no matter who you are, what you've done or what you haven't done, if you get to 11507 Moss Avenue and even get in there, and if you can't fit in the building, stand in the grass or show that you're in close proximity, I will save you. You say, well, I don't need that, I'm a Baptist. I don't need that, I, my grandfather was a Christian. I quit cussing last Thursday. I listened to K-Love. I don't listen to K-Love. You know what? Action based on belief, sustained by confidence, you trust that voice, you go to where he says. Get in the ark. Right, here's the thing. The, there are extra biblical texts. Uh, the book of Enoch, I believe. Um, and it's not, at one point it was in the Old Testament. Didn't hear there me. But in one of those books, it, it describes that the people outside the ark were screaming, screaming, begging Noah to open the door. Problem, Noah didn't close the door. Do you hear what I just said? Noah didn't close the door. The Lord did. You know what the Lord said? Jesus said, it will be just like it was in the days of Noah when I return. And one of the reasons why we do this is because the night they did that, Jesus said, I'm coming back for you. And we show forth that until he comes. It's a Maranatha table. It's remembering where we were, it's remembering who we are, it's realizing what he's done, and it's also the hope that he's coming back for us. What do you think of that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna close on that part. We'll, we'll hit the other one. I'm gonna do communion. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna do communion every week for a while, Lord willing. I'm not gonna break it all down every week, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of that. I got a lot of more things to say, but for time, I, wanna, I want the Holy Spirit to have, I want him to have time along with the word to, to minister, minister to us. I, uh, it's, really, it, it's really on my heart that it's so important that we, that we all get in this book Get in this book like you've never been in it before. And uh, listen, if you, read, if you read the NIV, the New American Standard, if you read the uh, ESV, um, uh, King James, New King James, um, it, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. More than anything, what matters is that God puts his word in, in, in your heart. What saves us is location. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there. It's a location, right? It was there. We don't have to go to Jerusalem now. You know, I want to someday. But it's not at Jerusalem you can go now. It's not at the temple. It's not at a church. What saves us is location. What's location? It's in Jesus Christ. That's salvation in 
Jesus Christ. Not in a church that believes in Jesus Christ. You and I in Jesus Christ. That means you go to him by faith. You go to him with a broken heart. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. They'll be comforted. Blessed are those who declare spiritual bankruptcy and don't bring anything that they can boast in or earn. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. He gives gifts to people who confess they, don't, they, they can't earn it. They confess they are separated. They're lost. They can't save themselves. They can't earn salvation. God doesn't ask it. He's already done the big done. The big done has been done. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means that when God puts you in that place, you're under grace. It doesn't mean you, you don't have to have a Presbyterian deodorizer. It doesn't matter if you sing Baptist hymns. It doesn't matter if the pseudo-holiness culture regarding the do-dos and the don't-don'ts say you have to claim all those things and they're going to inspect you and watch over you and make sure you do none of those things matter none of those things matter I come with nothing I am nothing I will never be anything never be anything if, I, if God can use me to move your heart by what's preached that doesn't make me righteous what makes me righteous is the blood of Jesus Christ that I do not want to trample in, that I do not want to just play around with so I can do anything I want to. May God have mercy on any soul that's like that and wake us up that that is not salvation. Salvation is this. You never arrive. You never get to a point of perfection. You'll never reach the ideal of that thing. But your heart is always leaning toward it. If, if people say, well, I've sinned, man. I keep failing. Here's the thing. If you mourn over that, if you feel bad about that, now you can beat yourself to death over it and God doesn't want you to do that. But the sign that that matters to you is a sign that he matters to you. We forget that it didn't matter to us. If it matters to you, it's a sign that you're right. Even if you have things to get right. Are you listening? The night that he was betrayed, those 12 guys, one of them already left the restaurant to go turn him in. And, and the other one was pledging, if all of them turn away, I won't, I will even go to death with you. What happened to him in the next couple hours? Not a one of them stayed around except John. Not a one. And before they all fled, please open it. He took bread. Before, think of Jesus looking around, knowing that all of them within hours were going to leave him alone. He goes, and think of you, friend. No matter where you've been or how you struggled and you've been walking with the Lord and the devil just keeps coming at you and maybe so-called this is the that's and there's all kinds of reasons why you don't measure up to them or you don't measure up to your best friend or you don't measure up to your family or you don't measure up to the church. You don't measure up to anybody. But listen, if you're broken toward him and you trust his blood, you measure up to him. And he's the only one that it's gonna matter that you measure up to. And if you don't, it's going to matter. No matter how many people tell you you're cool, how many people tell you you're cute, how gifted you are, how you, can, how you can feign that you're something to everybody else. When you stand there, if you're not under the blood, you're not in the ark. You're not in the ark. And no matter how many people confirm you in your disobedience, you will be lost forever. And it doesn't matter. And there are Brian Zons and Rob Bells and people saying that's not the case. They're false apostles preaching lies. False. Read Jude. They're in there. Read 2 Peter. They're in there. You're in there. Tremble. 
over the steward responsibility that God put in your life, you will answer. So will I. I lose sleep at night. Not that I'm gonna stand before Jesus, but I'm gonna sit next to Peter and James and Jude. And pastors in the, in, the, in the Islamic world right now who've watched their little girls be raped and killed just because they've converted from Islam to Christianity. In this world right now. And I am afraid to talk about eternal things because someone might leave our church. Well then leave our church. Because I'm terrified to stand before one who was beaten and battered and bruised. For people like me and then said to me go and preach my word this is my body broken for you for me I remember the uh, I remember at the movie Passion of the Christ there was a local big name. If I named this guy's name, most people, everybody in this county would know who he is. He was sitting in front of me. He stood up and he looked at his friend and he said, I wasn't worth that. He was so moved by the price Jesus paid and it got to his heart. He said, I wasn't worth that. Now that's the way our mind would think, but you know what? In Jesus's heart, he was worth that. And you and I, worth it. But he's like a doctor. And if you have a tumor in your body that's malignant and you don't feel it, it doesn't show up, and you feel normal, and the doctor discovers it, what would you think of him if he was afraid to tell you because it was going to ruin your day? It was going to mess up your plan. What kind of a doctor would that be? I'm here to say, you giving me a present, or you saying I'm cool, or you saying you like me, that's great, that touches my ego. But listen, standing on that day, and having someone look me up and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And what's my answer? Well, I really like the fact that you were giving money to our church. Well, I really like the fact that you were probably going to invite me to a. I liked you guys posting on Facebook that I'm a nice, great, cool pastor. Right? I didn't want you to leave. I didn't want you to get upset. I didn't want you to be hurt. This thing's about a broken body that was whipped and beaten for us. Take it and eat it, but realize who this is. Realize who this is. This is how it's communion day. Here we are face to face with Jesus. It's his body broken for you. And not just for you, for all the other yous and me's. Would you take it? You know what you're doing when you take it? You know what you're doing? You know what I'm doing? I am actually saying to God, I'm in covenant with you. Shh. Some, sobering, isn't it? I, 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 I understand that you're, you're, you're challenging me to represent in my life and in my culture who you really are, not who we have made you to be. And I'm in. Take it. This one's even more. All the everys, all the forgiveness and all the hallelujahs, amen. All the joy, all the blessings, all that. Listen, it came from real blood out of a real man who crying out to his father who wasn't answering in the dark with demonic hordes tempting him to come down. 
his last drop to the last drop. This blood is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. By this blood, we draw near. By this blood, we're made holy. By this blood, once and for all time, perfected once and for all time, past, present, future. Not so we can go sin, but the only way out is through the blood. Lord, so many times I feel like saying like Simon Peter, Lord, you, you wash my feet. Lord, you never, never, you don't. But he says, if you don't, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't be in partnership with me, Tim. If you don't allow the blood, if you don't drink the blood, this is our intimacy. Trust me. Lord, may you activate today not only forgiveness, but miracles and healing and the visitation of the Holy Spirit and power to break powers off our lives. In Jesus' name, let's drink. I'd like everybody to stand, please. For the last six months, my life has been in a, a type of a storm, unlike I've been in in my life for a long time. But, 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 but during that time in my life, I've, 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 this time in my life, I haven't felt the presence of God stronger. I haven't felt the prayers of God's people more deeply than I have. But I've also had these moments of challenge from the Holy Spirit to me regarding a lot of things I don't have time to get into. But one of those is bring, bringing me back to first things and promises that I made to God that he had asked me to make regarding ministry. And one of those areas was that God... I will be open to allow you to use me in the, in the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Manifestation gifts are gifts that come. They don't necessarily reside on a person, but they come as the Holy Spirit wills in moments. Residential gifts are those that you guys study. They're things that are on you, that are given to you at salvation, maybe energized and activated and enhanced by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But resident gifts are that can come and they can go. It doesn't mean that you always have it, always are one of those areas in my life has been in, in praying for the sick. I've confessed before you before that after my dad died of a brain aneurysm on the, on the Tuesday after I preached about God is, is able to do miracles, it, th it so threw me off that I, I didn't preach on miracles and healing for a decade. And the Holy Spirit gently spoke to my heart and he said you out of the trauma of your life you can't you I've not given you license to be arbitrary regarding my book and it convicted my heart deeply broke me and over the past six months the Lord's been doing things in my life asking me I'm bringing you back to those first things and I'm asking you are you willing are you willing and I and I say willing to what and he'd never answer he just said are you willing and one of those areas I know is about praying for the sick actually laying hands and praying for the sick. And how many of you believe that a lot of your safety and sanity and, and rescue times in life have come because you heard the still small voice of the Holy Spirit? Let me raise your hand. Well, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit told me as a pastor to incorporate uh, the Lord's table on a more frequent basis. And when we do do the Lord's table, that I have a responsibility to pray for the sick. I'm the least of trying to understand why people get healed and why people don't. I do not understand it. But I'm not God and that's not my job. My job is to listen to him. And I do know this is when people do get healed, there's a component of faith in their life and a moment of action and a moment of contact. And so as this band begins to play, if you, and I'm not going to do the TV evangelist thing, I'm not mocking that, but I don't want, I'm not, I just need to obey the Lord and let me tell you something. If I, if, if I pray with you today and you feel something happen to you, would you please tell me? I, I, uh, not that I want to say anything about it to anybody, but just for me. But then I feel also feel the Holy Spirit says, you need that. Do you need that, Tim? Do you need that? So I don't know about that. I'm just trying to be as raw and real as I know how to be today, which I want to be every week. 
Would you just lift your hearts to God right now? If you need a miracle in your life, if you've been in 50,000 healing lines, if you've been from here to Tulsa, to Southern California, to Australia, if you've prayed with everybody on TV and you've sent money in to sow a seed to meet your need for miracles, I've, hey, been there. If you have no more faith than I do without the grace of God to believe for, and you've prayed a thousand times, I get it. But with that said, just like me, would you meet me? And let's take a stand and believe God because the blood by his stripes, we were healed. Father, I pray that every religious spirit and every demonic horde that's talking to us right now to talk us out of what you're trying to bring us to would be bound, would be stifled, would be murmured and stopped, muted. And the liberty of the Holy Spirit would flow in this room so that people could be set free, people could be healed, and we'll give all the glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to come down here. I'm not going to get dramatic. I'm going to be as gentle as possible. But if you need prayer for physical healing, for emotional healing, relational, whatever it is, or if you just need, if you just need a, a touch, and I'm going to ask brothers, elders, board members, praying holy people to join around me. But I want us to be very gentle. I don't, I don't want us to get dramatic. I don't want us to turn the light on ourselves. Just in the, in the stillness of the shalom of God, believe that the Lord's going to activate His healing graces today.